Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And that's where you are. Good morning, and how are you this morning? Cold again? Well, I don't know what's happening. Uh, We are Dirt Radio, of course, and we're Friends of the Earth. Uh, They are our sponsors. Thanks to Yarrabug, another great show. And uh, Friends of the Earth is having its annual Green Pledge, which starts this week. And from the 6th, that's today, until... Sorry the 31st today until the 6th of September, you can commit to five climate actions and help raise much-needed funds for Friends of the Earth's climate campaign. Here to tell us a little bit more about it is a very special Green Pledge Ambassador, Rod Quantock. Welcome to Dirt Radio, Rod. Very kind of you, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for uh, for taking the time. I wanted to ask you, just to start with, uh, what is the Green Pledge and how does it work? Oh, look, it's really very simple. You go to their uh, the website, and I'm sure you might have that in front of you, but uh, just uh, check Green Pledge, uh, and you'll find there a list of 10 actions that you uh, can take as an individual, uh, and you've got a pledge to uh, live up to five of them for the next week. And uh, they're as diverse as um, uh, taking public transport, um, uh, becoming a vegetarian for a week, uh, two-minute showers. Um, what else is there? Oh, oh well, I've got a list. I've got a list yeah, here. You great. can you can buy secondhand any, oh, yes. anything yep. secondhand. You can mm-hmm. s- become a vegetarian for a week or more. Uh, you can subscribe to Green Power, uh, switch your your power uh, your energy source. Um, you can wear a jumper instead of turning on your heaters, which I think uh, would have been a nice thing to do this morning. Yes, and uh, you can get fifteen signatures for Victorian Renewable Energy Target Petition, which uh-huh. is something you can get online. Go to the Green Pledge website and. Uh, you can get 15 signatures, send them into Friends of the Earth, and there is zero waste as well. So That's no, the hardest one. That is the hardest you one. You really need to plan for that one, I think. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And um, so that's the Green Pledge. And what I wanted to ask you about, well, actually, just, just to um, let listeners know, go on to – uh, you can either go on to the Faux website or you can just type into your search engine Green Pledge 2015 because the Green Pledge has now been going, I think, quite a number Three. of years. I think this is third, third year. Third year. the third year, yeah. Okay, so make sure you get 2015 because I think the, the thing varies from year to year. I want, Rod, I wanted to ask you, uh, why did you decide to become a Green Pledge ambassador? Oh, well, look... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I guess the, the first reason is Friends of the Earth uh, rang me. Okay. And uh, if they ask me to do anything, I'm happy to do it because they're the best people. They're, uh, I think, the largest grassroots environmental organisation in the world, if, certainly in Australia. So, um, um, and these, look, I'm individually, we're not going to make a huge difference to uh, the way the world works. But I think it's a it's a really good campaign to let people know that there are uh, simple things for them to do. Uh, many of them are going in the future are going to become necessities anyway, so you may as well start practicing now. Mm. And um, uh, and look, I think most importantly, it's going to raise money for Friends of the Earth so that they can uh, continue their campaigning. And uh, there's so much money arranged on the other side of. Uh, all of these big issues that, uh, you know, Friends of the Earth really needs all that can get to uh, mm. combat the messages that come through the mainstream media. So, um, yeah, it's it's very, very important. So uh, I, I just chose my five um, and uh, off I go. What are you doing? Which ones? Oh, the two-minute shower. I can't believe that people have showers more than two minutes. I can't. Everybody has a shower every day, for God's sake. You can't be that dirty. <laughs> so uh, you don't need more than two-minute showers. Take your take your clock into the shower with you mm. um, and set the alarm. Uh, now, your clock will probably stop working sometime during the week because of water damage, so make sure you've got two or three clocks. Um, and you can, uh, you can time your two-minute showers. I've committed to... Uh, public transport, uh, a vegetarian diet, um, and I've committed to uh, the writing to uh, significant people and the petition. Good, great, great. And um, look, uh, the other thing that's important, and I probably do a bit of editorialising here myself, which is... Go, uh, go for it. uh, (laughs) People may know already that the House of Representatives is having an inquiry into the... um, the char- charitable deduction status of yes. um, various uh, environment groups, and uh, there's 600 of them in Australia, and they are targeting. I think the way it's working out is they're targeting 160. They're really interested, and Friends of the Earth is part of that group, and yes. so it's really, really important. I think to uh, make a commitment not just to the environment, but to the people who are working really hard to kind of have environmental protections. And there's lots of politicians, as you said, on the other side who are very keen to stop all this happening. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, when you consider the amount of tax deductibility available to the Institute of Public Affairs, to the Minerals Council, to all these other groups that are funded, uh, you know, in the main by fossil fuel and corporate interests, um, it's, just, it's, oh, it's such a stupid, stupid government we've got. I cannot believe how stupid they are. So, look, you can't depend on them to trip over themselves on this one as they've tripped over every other issue they've ever tried to raise. So, no, it's a very important issue to contact your local member about or, in fact, uh, every member of parliament about because without tax deductibility, these uh, places, these organisations are just going to wither and uh, you can't let that happen. Exactly. Mm. I wanted to go on to a let's let's go on to a, li- a little bit more speculative stuff. And I was very interested to actually get your opinion on a few things. As you know, the Paris climate talks are coming up in December. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, and uh, you've I know you've been involved with environment issues over many many years. 
And despite the current government's seemingly unwavering commitment to fossil fuels, do you have a feeling over the last year or a couple of years that things are actually starting to change on the ground? Um, look, I talk a lot to people. I, I never run into anybody who doesn't think that uh, climate change is an issue and they are beginning to associate that with um I shouldn't say beginning to associate it. They know the association with uh, fossil fuels. Um, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, over the last four or five months, um, the forest fires in, the, in Alaska, Canada, and uh, the west of the United States are still burning. They can't put them out. Mm. Um, they've had the hottest uh, summer ever recorded in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, um, a temperature of 74 degrees in Iran, uh, record temperature. Berlin got to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it's extraordinary. So people in the Northern Hemisphere are, are getting what people have, in the end have said the only thing that will change people's attitude are disasters. And so this is, last year was the, uh, the hottest year ever recorded. This one's going to beat it. Um, so people in the Northern Hemisphere are feeling this much more than we are and it's a very bad time to talk to Australians about uh, global warming when it's been so cold um, but that's a result of global warming that's uh, changing mm. the airstream patterns uh, mm. coming mm. up from the Arctic and uh, we will as they do in the northern hemisphere uh, where they have these extraordinary so snowstorms and uh, um, cold winter events um, caused by climate change as well that um, it's here now and uh, Look, I don't hold that much hope for a political solution to it. It's too complex and there's too many vested interests in it. Mm. So it has to be a, a grassroots solution. Um, even if the Labor Party got in, they're not going to lead us down uh, the road to salvation. Um, the pressure just has to keep mounting from individuals and groups. Um, and the, Paris is aiming to uh, restrict uh, warming to two degrees and... Look, I spoke to, I've spoken to a lot of people who are scientists and researchers in this area. Um, we've gone past the point where we'll get to two degrees. Two degrees is now inevitable. So even if they do all agree on a target for two degrees, um, um, that target would have to be applied retrospectively. And to mm -hmm. do that, we'll need a time machine, and we don't have that. So um, I think... You know, any hope that uh, Paris is going to solve all our problems, it, it'll raise the issue again and again and again. And there'll be somebody at the Heartland Institute looking for an email or a, a casual conversation or the misuse of a word um, to take the front page headlines away from the conference itself. So uh, people need to be alert uh, to what's being said at the conference. Um, but often with these things, they're depending on uh, peer-reviewed material. So often what they're w dealing with is research that's four years old. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be published. It's got to be uh, reviewed. It goes back to the uh, author uh, for uh, amendments. It gets reviewed again back to the author. Um, and then it's got to be, in, I think it has to be in the public domain uh, for two years before it can be uh, assessed by um, these sorts of these sorts of uh, conferences. So the latest science is is really quite drastic and dramatic, and the science of two years ago is slightly less drastic and dramatic. But um, it's still they're making decisions on on um, targets that can't be 
achieved and uh, often with uh, research that's uh, up to four years out of date. And it's it's really uh, it's a lag that we just can't afford at this point. No, absolutely not. No, so um, I mean it's quite clear that the Abbott government's not going to uh, um, jump too far mm. uh, into the renewable energies, but the pressure's mounting, and they feel it. Um, you know, it's getting harder and harder for them to justify. When you start, when you've got to use the catchphrase "coal is good for humanity," you know you're running out of logical arguments. <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today, Rod. And oh, great pleasure. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, Rod Quantock is the ambassador for the Green Pledge this year. And get onto the, your uh, um, computer and check out Green Pledge 2015. Make your pledge. You can pick five of ten uh, actions and uh, it, the, all the money that goes to Green Pledge goes to Friends of the Earth and its campaigning. I've been talking th- here with Rod Quantock and uh, the actually, i got to say, the unsinkable Rod Quantock, tireless campaigner and troublemaker, and he's this year's special ambassador for the Green Pledge. If you want to get onto the Green Pledge, it's www dot the green net and you can find it there we are friends of the earth and i'm john we'll be back after this message the melbourne street medics need your help on saturday the 18th of july when we took to the streets against reclaim australia victoria police pepper sprayed the crowd We treated more than 100 people and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics. We believe in empowering people to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights. Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. Radio, that's where you are. The Environment Film Festival starts this week and it's into its sixth year. And since its beginnings in 2010, the festival has grown into one of Melbourne's most notable green events. This year, the festival is heading up to Canberra and Hobart, and of course, it starts in Melbourne this week. Chris Gerbing is one of the co directors of the Environment our environmental film festival, and he's here with Dirt Radio so we can find out a bit more. Hello, Chris. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you for being with us today. Let me ask a question to start with, a very basic kind of question. Why hold an environment film festival? Um, that is a very good question. Um there's so much, um, you know, there's so many environmental stories, important stories to be told, and there's so many um, filmmakers, communities, um, groups doing, doing exactly that. And the Environmental Film Festival is a way to, I guess, curate all of those films into into one package so that we can explore a whole range of issues. We can um, explore, you know, the wilderness and appreciation of nature, together and and really the festival um 
we show films that you wouldn't be able to see in any other place um, because they often don't get major releases or they don't, um, you know, make it to our free-to-air TV or subscription services and things like that. So, yeah, the festival is an opportunity to see some great content and hear some great stories that, that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see. And uh, you're suggesting that there are lots and lots of films being made. I'm wondering about how you go about choosing the films to screen. What are the criteria that you use? Yeah, we we kind of search the globe for for environmental films, documentaries or narratives, short films or, or feature films. And we're really thinking about what are the issues that are important to Australians, what um, and you know, particularly in the places that we're that we're that we're screening the festival in, um, we're thinking about you know, is it engaging? Does does a film ask an interesting question or explore a, explore a topic in a new and different way? Um, is it something that audiences uh, are going to be interested in? Obviously, during the festival, like you mentioned, over the last five years, you know, we talk to people. What are they interested in seeing? What really what really sparks a conversation and and interest? So. Those are some of the the criteria that that we use um, when we're when we're selecting the film. And uh, you obviously do see a lot of these films. Are you seeing from year to year, or even this year? Are there particular trends that are emerging in terms of theme, or in terms of style of approach, or storytelling? I think it, the, the themes side of things is really interesting. It, it changes from from year to year, and uh, you know, uh, perhaps it's to do with what uh, kind of issues and themes are, are of a kind of global or national interest at, at the time. Perhaps they're kind of you know peaking peaking the interest of you know government or community groups or what have you. But um, so. I would say that the, we're getting more films and, and more high-quality films of, of this kind of nature, particularly kind of exploratory documentaries, um, you know, about environmental issues. Uh, this year, in terms of themes, there's kind of been a couple of interesting ones. I think climate change is a big one, and it always is. It always is. Um, but in particular, kind of, you know, personal storytelling about... Um, you know how climate change impacts on communities and, and, mm. and perhaps individuals. Another one uh, that's a big one is just waste, waste mm. product, wastefulness. Um, we we really had to cut down on the amount of waste films we show because you know really? we obviously want to have a diversity and a breadth in our program, but from everything from uh, we've got a, a really interesting film that's uh, kind of about nuclear waste. We've got a film about food waste. And there's also things like electronic waste, mm. um, just recycling, things like that. So for me, that's a really strong theme that comes through as well. It's a very uh, – I, I, for me personally, I, I think the issue of waste is massive. It's it's a it's a huge, yeah. huge uh, problem and uh, – I like the way you're talking about the the way that the films are connecting to personal things because I think that's one of the things that uh, tends to be extremely important in the way that the whole I guess you could say the environment movement is 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 shaped is that you really do need to address the personal stuff and just anecdotally we were talking on the weekend about climate change and uh, talking about how things that we're very used to having, like coffee, like tea, 
Um, you know, if things really do start to change, those, I guess well, we could see, see them as sur- sort of everyday life stuff, but they're, in a sense, they're luxuries in so- certain ways. And that obviously is hugely, hugely important and, and works on the personal level. What are, what are some of the films that uh, you think are highlights? Can you tell us a little bit about one, some of those or one or two? Yeah, definitely. So kind of going on from what you just talked about, about personal stories, the, the kind of really nice film um, called Tule Tuvalu, which is a film about climate change and and personal stories about, um, you know, the impact of uh, melting sea in, in uh, sorry, melting ice in um, Tule in northern Greenland kind of pitted against the in, the impact of rising sea levels in, in Tuvalu. So mm. uh, kind of looking at the communities there and how they're kind of their social, their social life, their, their kind of... Um, economic uh, situation, their culture is affected by, by climate change. And it's just really sensitively drawn film about these, about these two communities kind of, and, and you can compare, compare them both. And it's a beautiful, beautiful film as well, because obviously those two, those two environments are, are stunning as well. So mm. uh, that's, that's a real highlight for me. Um, another uh great film i think is a film called phil biologist it's a interesting it's an interesting one it's kind of fun it's a, a film about a um a guy named tyler and he is kind of unemployed high school graduate who's trying to figure out what he wants to do in his life and he decides that you know he's got a particular passion for wildlife conservation and in particular around birds and so he strikes up a really keen interest in um, kind of in, in saving a highly endangered um, hummingbird in Costa Rica and sets about setting up a really significant scientific experiment to save um, this hummingbird and gets a lot of um, support along the way. But uh, really interesting to see kind of just, you know, one guy trying to trying to do good and then, and then really his passion just comes across on the screen and he's a really interesting character so for me that's a real highlight as well, well you've you've conveyed the uh the film both films very very interestingly and uh certainly intriguing me as well um is there some dis- time for discussion as well after the films yeah absolutely uh one of the really important things about our festival and that, that we try to do is have discussions, bring in local experts, people that you know have a particular interest and expertise in some of the topics that are raised in our film. Um, you know, like we've been discussing, some of the films are international, so perhaps the case studies or the stories might be from from other countries, and it's really interesting for us to reflect on what that means in the local context. So quite a number of our films this year have has panel discussions where we where we're going to do that. Um, so yeah, people can kind of check out the, right. the website around that. So yeah. Okay, give us the details of uh, where people can find out about stuff and uh, how to get ticks and where and when. So you can find out everything you need to know on the website, which is www.fresfa.org.au. And that's got all the film synopses. You can watch trailers. Um, you can see which films have panel discussions or special guests. I should also mention we've got a number of filmmakers that are guests of the festival as well. Um, 
and you can find out about that on the website. And then you can just click through to to the ticketing website through Tickety Boo and uh, buy your tickets from there. And they've got concession rates and discount rates for groups as well. So the festival starts on Thursday night, um, uh, the 3rd of September, and runs until the 10th of September in Melbourne. So you want to kind of get in quick to grab some tickets because right. there's a couple of sessions that are, that are selling fast. Okay, and the films you've just talked about probably will be selling fast as well. Thank you very much for being on Dirt Radio today, Chris. My pleasure. And uh, we wish you all the best. I've been talking there with Chris Gerling, and uh, he is the co-director of the Environmental Film Festival, which starts on Thursday, and Friends of the Earth is a community partner with them as well. So check it out on the on the web, and uh, it'll be running till the 10th of September. We are Dirt Radio, and we're just about out of time.